Psalm 33:12 says, "Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance." Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Psalm 144 verse 15 says, Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yes, happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Well, those verses, that's truth right there. That's for sure. Blessed and happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Hi, good morning, everybody. Alex McFarland here. You are listening to the American Family Radio Network. We're so glad that you are. So honored to be here on a day with a lot in the news, a lot going on. And we're going to talk with a friend and a colleague in the biblical worldview work, uh, Dave Glander, in just a moment. But I do want to welcome you to the American Family Radio Network. And I'm going to I'm going to give our number because we might touch on some things in the conversation about which you would like to enter in. And our number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Uh, uh, glad to be on right now. If you recognize my voice or my name, uh, it might be because of a show that you hear in the afternoons called Exploring the Word, which is heard 3 to 4 Central Time and all across America, 3 to 4, 4 to 5 Eastern. Bert Harper and I do Exploring the Word. We have done for well more than a decade. And in just a moment, uh, I'm going to pull out a question from our new book and talk about it with one of our guests because it it's in the news. Some major Baptist leaders have been weighing in on this uh, this week, and it's a question about whether or not a Christian should attend a gay wedding. But before we get there, I want to name a couple of things going on uh, that I'm just so honored. I got my copy of the AFA Journal. Now, the magazine, the AFA Journal, which is a phenomenal Christian magazine, it's now called The Stand, S-T-A-N-D, as in Taking a Stand for Truth, which AFA has done for many years, and we hope we can be used by God to encourage you to take a stand for truth. But I am so blessed. Randall Murphy, the editor of the journal, and Addie Grace Putnam, one of the writers, they did an article about Truth for a New Generation and our ministry of apologetics and biblical worldview. And I thank God for that, our summer camp coming up. And uh, I wanted to mention, because we got a lot of people who emailed me over the weekend, and they said, hey, congrats, you're in the, the stand, the AFA magazine. I said, praise God. And so people were asking me about what I'm doing and where I'm speaking. Now listen to this, because I know we have a lot of listeners in Wilmington, North Carolina, Thursday night, this Thursday night, March 24, I'm going to be at the Lifeline Pregnancy Center, 4522 Fountain Drive in Wilmington, and uh, their website is lifelinewilmington.org, and I'll be there for their uh, Pregnancy Care Center Banquet. The theme is A Light in the Darkness, and I'm going to be there. I think it starts about uh, 5.45 or 6. I'll be speaking probably around 7.30. But if you're a listener in Wilmington, uh, what a wonderful thing to support life. And Thursday night, I look forward to being with the good folks in Wilmington at the Lifeline Pregnancy Center Banquet. But then Friday night, Richmond, Virginia. I know we have a lot of great listeners in Richmond, Virginia, the Men's Alliance Tribe. Now, I like that. That's a great name for a men's ministry. The Men's Alliance Tribe, Swift Creek Presbyterian Church there in the Richmond area. I'm going to be there this Friday night, March 25th, 
and we're going to be doing two sessions with Q&A and the topic for our culture. Now listen to this, folks. Core Truths for an Unshakable Faith. This is from my book, Core Truth for an Unshakable Faith. I'll be teaching, and we're just going to pray. We're going to talk about how to defend the Christian faith in, in these times. And so um, if you want to uh, go to that, all the uh, complete event information is on my own website, which is alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. Hey, folks, I will preach and teach at the drop of a hat, and I'll drop the hat, <laughs> as the old saying goes. Well, you know, Bert and I released a book last fall, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, from the first 10 years of Exploring the Word. We're already working on a follow-up volume that uh, probably will come out in 2023, but there were four questions that dealt with moral issues. And I want to bring up my guest, Dave Glander, of Reasons for Hope, just a, a valued colleague for many years. And somebody, I, I really appreciate the way he thinks and how he integrates Scripture and the Word of God and truth into all of his ministry. He's reaching thousands of young people every year, and that's my heart as well. But Dave Glander, thanks for holding. Welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Good to see you this morning, Alex. Hey, thanks for being on, and I'm assuming you are in your home state of Georgia, right? I am, yep, yep. Yep. At home for a little uh, while before we get back out on the road. Amen. Amen. Well, um, before I throw, I've got a couple of questions. I want to cue this up. But first of all, I want you to introduce yourself. You several weeks ago were with us in Nashville at National Religious Broadcasters, and uh, uh, boy, that was a blessing, wasn't it? That was awesome. What a what a great time. It was so inspiring to see so many Christians out there just doing their best to make the the name of Jesus glorified in this planet. Well, you know, uh, there was a kind of a spirit of revival and a higher energy than I'm used to. It was the first, like, really big, oh, I don't know, there were four or 5,000 people there I know, and, all, you know, everybody from David Jeremiah on down, yeah. every ministry you've ever heard of, of course, AFA is always a big presence there in the American Family Radio yeah. Network. But, um, you know, Dave, with everything happening in the Ukraine— all the moral issues. Uh, by the way, our, our prayers are with the folks in Oklahoma and Texas. It was just a, a pretty devastating tornado last night. Um, don't you think suddenly there's a renewed urgency that, look, um, our nation has got to get back to Jesus. We've got to have a move yeah. of God. And every Christian, you know, it's like all hands on deck that we've, we've got to work for the gospel and the Great Commission, and that's more urgent than ever. I think I think that light bulb is switching on in the minds of a lot of people. Do you? You know, when COVID first hit, of course, we all kind of sat there going, all right, what is going on? Because I, I don't know about you, but in my lifetime, I've never experienced anything like that. I, I realized back in the what, 20s, there was a black plague some, somewhere back back then, but I had never experienced anything like that. And at first I was going, all right, God, what do we, not like God was surprised by it. You know, he, he, he knew it was coming, but what do what do we do with it? And Alex, I got to tell you, there seemed to be a sense of hopelessness. And mm. that sounds terrible. You know what I mean? Because everybody, you know, kids couldn't go to school. One one of the worst things that happened was I had several weddings that I was going to um, be a part of in what 2020, I guess it was. Oh, and yeah. getting those phone calls from the bride saying, hey, we're having to cancel. And I would say, well, hey, let's, you know, let me know when it's back on. They're like, well, we're just going to get 
married in, in mom and pa's living room with just a couple of us. And I'm thinking that's not what every girl dreams of when she's growing up to have her wedding and, and with a couple of people in the living room. You know, they, they think of the princess moment, you know. And so and, there was and I, I did several funerals. Uh, Dave, I didn't mean to interrupt, but during 2020, no, I, I remember like summer of 2020, there were several funerals and there, there was like uh, one or two relatives on Zoom on a laptop. Yeah. And, and COVID, like you say, a sense of hopelessness because COVID really uh, interrupted some of these milestones of life that families share together. Yeah. What about what about um, husbands not being able to be in the delivery room? That one kind of made me a little mad. I mean, I, I don't get mad very often, yeah. Alex, but that one that one kind of got under my skin. I was like, okay, this has just gone too far. I mean, the the why or or somebody somebody dying of cancer who can't have anybody visit them and they've got to sit in isolation. I mean, there was like I said, there just developed a sense of hopelessness. And at the same time, I was brought on full time at Reasons for Hope. So I don't find the the uh, I don't. I don't find the irony, you know, passing me on that one. But what I've seen, Alex, that, that's a great is, ministry seen, name. It, it, that's what I'm saying. I love the Carl Kirby established it about 11 years ago, and I and I love the ministry name. But at a time when hopelessness seems to be running, and you can think, okay, well, hopelessness—that's a terrible problem. No, it's not, though. And here's why: what I've discovered is, Alex, you and I are into apologetics, and for you know, the longest time, in order for me to get the gospel into somebody's ears, you kind of have to overcome a couple hurdles before you can get there, because everybody had their own preconceived notion of what the Christian worldview was, or, and they probably rejected it, or, you know what I mean? There was this hurdles, but with the sense of hopelessness that was out there, all of a sudden, the gospel became enough again. It was enough for mm -hmm. so long, and don't get, don't, listeners, please don't hear me when I'm saying it's not enough. In America, it's, it's, you have to overcome hurdles to get to the gospel, which is enough. All of a sudden, because of this hopelessness, it seemed like people were willing to listen to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, in a way that they hadn't before because of the hopelessness that was now running rampant through not just America, but across the, the globe. But here in America, especially, we just had this sense of hopelessness. And so I, I do agree. I think there's kind of been this light bulb that's turned on where it's like people, people want to hear the hope that's within Christ again in a way that they're hungry for it, Alex. Amen. Uh, and and you know what, folks, uh, that hope in Jesus, in bad times, we look toward Jesus and the, the full, yeah. absolute rock-solid hope we have in the gospel. But in good times, and, and Dave, isn't it just like human nature that in the good times, when we think, you know, we got it, everything's set, um, we don't seek God in the times of prosperity and stability, do we? And it's easier to uh, it's easier to praise God when when you're on the mountaintop and not necessarily seek Him. There's a difference between praising Him and seeking Him. And we can say thank you, God, when we're on the mountaintop, but at the same time we're sidetracked. And when we get into that valley, all of a sudden now we turn to the seeking of Him, which is what He truly wants. He wants that uh, He wants us to to seek Him, not just not just worship Him. But I always ask kids, I said, "What's God's favorite color?" And they look at me cross-eyed, like, mm -hmm. "Why? Wh what do you mean?" And I said, you know, That's your relationship with God should be should be so close that that you know. I, and then I asked him, do you have a boyfriend, girlfriend? I have a girlfriend. Well, what's her favorite color? Well, it's yellow. And I said, well, what's God's favorite color? And they look at me funny. And I'm thinking your relationship should be that way, where you're seeking out what is it that God has for me today? What is he What is he doing in the world? And I and I think when we're in that valley. But see, Alex, I had a preacher one time tell me. He said, 
if the only time you pray is when you're in desperation, be careful because God might just leave you there. And what he meant by Mm. that was God wants so much to hear from us that if the only time that he hears from us, which is his heart's desire is for us to reach out to him, if the only time you do that is when you're in the valley, be careful because he cares about you enough that he might leave you in the valley because that's the only time he hears from you. You know, isn't it something, I mean, you say God wants to hear from us. You know, John four twenty three. Jesus said the Father seeks such to worship him. I mean, isn't it yeah. mind-boggling? And folks listening, this is Alex McFarland here along with our friend and colleague Dave Glander from Reasons of Hope, Reasons for Hope, I'm sorry, uh, the American Family Radio Network. But if you're listening to this show and you're just wondering about all this Christian talk and who is Jesus, I mean, this is an amazing reality that God, Almighty God, wants to be a part of your life, to love you, to bless you, to commune with you, to guide you, to elevate you. God wants to be a part of your life. That that is maybe the most amazing thought the human mind could ponder. Would you agree, Dave? I, I, you know, I always tell people, I say, man, when you think about it, the creator of the entire universe, not just a person, not just a set of people or a continent or a world, the God of the entire universe reaches down to you and wants to have relationship with you. And if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. I mean, that the fact that, and, and Alex, you know, the relationship with God should be so real that, you know, I was, I was driving down the road one time. I used to, I used to be on the phone a lot when, in, my, in my past career and I would have the little headset on that had the little hang-up button on it, you know? And I'm driving down the road one day, and I'm just praying earnestly. And I don't remember what I was praying about that day, but I remember when I finished my prayer, I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And when I said, in Jesus' name, amen, I went to hang up the phone and realized you can't hang up on God. That doesn't work that way. But that's how real my conversation was. It was as if I was talking to another person. Amen, amen. Hey, folks, we've got a brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about four key moral questions of our time regarding homosexuality, transgenderism, gay marriage, the role of the church. We're going to continue our conversation with Christian apologist, Christian thinker, and uh, just an all-around great guy who's touching many lives for the gospel, Dave Glander of Reasons for Hope. Alex McFarland here. So glad you're listening to the American Family Radio Network. Stay tuned. We're going to come back with truth for this time. Uh, Don't go away. We're going to be right back after this. Here are Tim and Riley Wildman for the AFA Foundation. Riley, what is your title? The director of AFA Foundation. One of the best ways you can have income for the rest of your life and know that uh, you will be supporting the ministry of American Family Association is to... To give a gift to American Family Association and American Family Radio. Do you also deal with people who want to leave AFA in their wills? Yes, sir. That's exactly why they call. And that's why we also have another option besides a charitable gift annuity. People sometimes also call and do an outright gift or also leave us in their will. Now, when anyone calls in and asks to talk to you, ladies, will all of them talk in a Southern accent like you do? Yes, they will. Call Riley Wildman at the AFA Foundation, 800-326-4543, extension 345, or visit afafoundation.net. I love this country. 
But can I tell you something? I love the Lord more than I love this country. And I love the body of Christ more than I love this country. So it is because I love you, frankly, I have to tell the truth. There are many that are more concerned with the consequences in our nation than we are about the cause. The Hamilton Quarter. Weekday afternoons at 5 Central on American Family Radio. Target is in the bullseye because of its transgender bathroom policy. A petition by the American Family Association to boycott Target now surpassing a million signatures and counting. People have their own beliefs and stuff, but what can it hurt? What can it hurt? What can it hurt? What can it, hurt? it hurts our daughters. It hurts you. It hurts our families. It hurts me. It hurts all of us. Sign the petition to boycott Target at AFA.net. Hey, this is Micah Tyler, and I want you to know that freedom from addiction is possible, and it starts at Adult and Teen Challenge. The last time I overdosed, they had to administer eight shots of Narcan. I was given chest compressions, and the power of addiction, though, is that a mere six hours later, I injected that same batch of heroin again. I walked into the doors of Teen Challenge and truly giving my life over to Jesus has changed my whole entire world. And to experience what it's like to have forgiveness has been just beautiful. I feel whole today. For over 60 years, Adult and Teen Challenge has been providing hope and healing for a new drug-free future through the power of Jesus Christ. They have a variety of programs for men, women, teens, and more in hundreds of centers nationwide. You can find the center nearest you at 855 End Addiction or at TeenChallengeUSA.org. You're listening to American Family Radio. You know, talking about COVID and its impacts uh, short-term and long-term on the culture, uh, we're talking with our friend Dave Glander. Dave, I saw a T-shirt the other day. Uh, it said, normal isn't coming back, but Jesus is. And uh, I thought... <laughs> oh, people, I love that. Uh, when, when are we going to get back to normal? Hey, folks, this is the American Family Radio Network, and I do want to remind you that AFR.net, a great website. By the way, all of the programming, uh, Sandy Rios in the morning, today's issues, Exploring the Word, uh, the Biblical Worldview content, we do the Hamilton Corner, Airing the Addisons, amazing programming all day long. And we encourage you to tell your friends about AFR.net, and uh, it's archived. You can listen to shows. If you hear a program that's especially meaningful to you, you can forward it to somebody else. And there is a mobile device, an app that works on all um, of your phones, and you can listen to the content. Um, it's, it's always a blessing to me when I hear people say, you know, I had never heard of AFR a year ago, and now it's all I listen to all day long, because we truly do... Uh, we want to help you integrate the Word of God into your life and know what's going on in the world, the news from a biblical perspective. We look at everything through the lens of truth, which is the Word of God. And then, uh, you know, to uh, I'll just put it this way, this is what we're all about, to evangelize the lost and equip the saved and uh, help uh, see God restore America by helping lives and families and marriages be built on the Word of God. But um, Dave Glander, Reasons for Hope. Uh, I've got four questions I want to run by you, but uh, quickly first, tell about your ministry, give your website. I know you and I are going to be doing a couple of camps this summer for young people, 
But uh, where do we find uh, reasons for, for hope on the Internet? Uh, you can go to R-F-O-R-H, which stands for Reasons for Hope. It's R-F-O-R-H.com, and you can find out all the information. We also have a free app that everything on there is free. All of our content gets put up there. There's a ton of stuff. If you just got on the app and sat there trying to navigate through it, you'd probably have a month's worth of stuff if you were at it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can go to your app store or Google store and just type in reasons for hope. And it's a black background with a blue asterisk and download that for free. There are short teachings, long teachings. There's blogs and vlogs and every other cog. And there's just everything is on there and it's all for free. So you're, we, we, uh, we want to equip the saints in this day. And so that's, that's the best place to do that. Amen. Amen. Well, Carl Kirby, uh, both of you are great speakers. I've heard you both. Carl is one of the best um, speakers I've ever heard on creation versus evolution. And that's one of the big... I spoke to a group of college students Sunday morning uh, before I preached at a church, Dave, just, you know, two days ago. And it was interesting on the intellectual side, the college students, the number one question they had was, was really about evolution. How do you reconcile the Bible and what I hear in the science class? But really, and this was a little more uh, predominant, though, on the emotional side, um, if God loves me, why do I feel alone in the world? And and one of these college students from UNC Chapel Hill was talking about the fact that um, she and many of her peers, that there's this really debilitating feeling of aloneness. I'm, I'm in this world, and I am adrift. I don't have anybody. And, and, you know, it's interesting, Dave, uh, when I got into apologetics and youth ministry, now going on 30 years ago, I'm showing my age, but, um, you know, kids were asking questions about, you know, well, is the Bible really true? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Um, you know, what about Charles Darwin? And and we, we talk about that stuff to this day. And by the way, folks, let me just say, the evidence for God, creation, the Bible, the empty tomb, the life of Jesus, the evidence is just ironclad, compelling. Overwhelming. Overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, it's just, it's not even a, a, a fair fight. I mean, really, the evidence for Christianity is just no, when Alex, I tell in, unimpeachable. Ask me, like, when somebody asked me, like, you're a Christian? <laughs> I look at them, I'm like, you're not? <laughs> like, <laughs> the evidence is so overwhelming that I literally look at people and I'm like, what do you mean you're not a Christian? You obviously haven't taken the time to study. Like, if, if, exactly. I'm convinced, I'm convinced anybody who was really wanting to know the truth, like, you, you really want to, you really have to want to know the truth. If you don't want to know the truth, then you're always going to believe a lie. But if you're, if you're absolutely willing to know the truth, and you study out world religions, Christianity is going to come head above everybody else by a long shot. And 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 I tell people, I I was I in Nigeria, I had a chance to uh, speak to to a, a group of kids that were mixed Muslims and, and Christians, and probably you know some in between. And finally, somebody asked me the question, why why did you land on Christianity? Because I couldn't really say that until somebody asked me, because it was in a school. But once they ask me, I can I can answer the question. I said, "Look, I didn't need Christianity to be true. I didn't even want Christianity to be true. That's not why I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian because I followed the evidence, and it is truth 
which is why I'm a Christian. Not that I wanted it or needed it, but I'm a sucker for truth, and because it's truth, that's why I'm a Christian. And you should have mm. seen the looks on the little Muslim faces, kids. I just their eyes were as big as gold, and I was just thinking, God, please plant this seed here. Please plant this seed here. Amen. Amen. You know, um, I was in a debate with an atheist about eight years ago, and uh, this particular atheist just glibly threw out that he didn't believe Jesus had ever existed. And he said, you know, Christianity is based on a person, you know, that we, we really have no evidence that they ever existed. And I said, well, you know, I, I know it, it's, it's unthinkable that uh, an allegedly educated person could say that. Um, and, and by the way, let me just chase a rabbit here for a second, because I, I want to talk about questions about moral issues. But... Um, my my first trip to the Holy Land, Dave, I was there 11 days. We visited 72 sites, 72 wow. sites in 11 days. I mean, it, we were hustling. And one of which was the Pool of Siloam that's being excavated. And, uh, you know, f- for any that have ever been to uh, an archaeological dig, or maybe you've been to the Holy Land, as, as we have, and I hope to go back within the next couple of years, but... Um, you, you can't fake an archaeological dig, you know. All right. Uh, we were at one, um, the Pool of Siloam, where Jesus healed a person. And it was being dug out. It's actually been buried in tons of dirt by uh, Muslims. There are a lot of biblical sites relevant to the Old and New Testaments, Jewish and Christian sites that have been defaced by Muslims um, and so uh, Israeli authorities really work diligently to preserve the biblical sites um, who have an agenda to deface them. But we were at the Pool of Siloam for a lecture, and this team of archaeologists was excitedly talking about Jesus stood on these stones, not similar stones, these very... These. Yes. And imagine like a, a rectangular fountain a couple of feet deep, and like these stones that went down into it like steps. Anyway, this one guy was so excitedly lecturing about the uh, excavation of the Pool of Siloam, and I went up to him after, and I said, wow, man, I learned so much, it really blessed me. So uh, 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 you're you're a Christian, right? And he was like, "Uh, well, actually, no. I'm like, really? Well, you... uh, you seem so impassioned. I, I just figured you must be a believer. He goes, well, not really. I'm, I'm just an archaeologist. But he said, this is history, man. Jesus Christ of the Bible walked on these rocks. And folks, the reason I'm sharing that, and Dave, I'd love your responses. Look, folks, um, it is undeniable uh, that Jesus, the Jesus you read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this person was here. This is real. And and Dave, I'm just like, whenever I hear some PhD at an American university, and I'm doing two college events this spring, end of March and end of April, and I'll hear some PhD who's poisoning the minds of young people throw out that, well, the Bible is false or Jesus didn't exist. I'm like, and uh, you've been to the Holy Land how many times? You've read, I mean, and they never have, never have. Yeah. I'm telling you, folks, the Bible is true. When Second Peter one sixteen says regarding the gospel, we have not followed cleverly devised fables. Folks, this is yeah, real. Amen. 
Jesus is worthy well, of was, your belief. That was that was the thing that changed me, Alex. Was you know I I we don't have time to get into my testimony, but I was a massive meth head. Just we'll just leave it at that. I was I was a I was a meth head that was lost and and dying. And anyways, the Lord set me free from that, and I didn't know who did it. And so I started studying Buddhism, and that didn't add up. I started studying Islam, that didn't add up. And it wasn't until I got to uh, it was actually Lee Strobel's book, A Case for Christ, that. I got sure. to the historicity of Jesus, where you can throw the Bible to the side for a moment, and you can find everything you need to know about Jesus, the the man Jesus who literally walked in Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. Uh, his believers believed he did miracles. He was put to death by Pontius Pilate. Like Everything you need to know about Jesus was written in 1st and 2nd century testimony by enemy testimony at that. And when I got to that point, Alex, I was like, wait a second, he was actually here? Like, I just never, in my mind, he had never been a real person. He, he had been, you know, these Christians emulate some some made-up, fictitious person. But he, when I found out he was actually here, Alex, that changed the game for me. That was a completely different perspective that I had never thought about. And the fact that he was here, then I went to the Bible, and I was like, well, what does the Bible say about this man of history? Because Jesus started out to me as a man of history, not God. He was a man of history. Mm -hmm. Then when I went to the Bible and I started studying this man of history and realized, wait a second, not only did he claim to be God as believers, thought he was God, he raised from the dead, defeating death. And I was just, it changed my entire walk and, and direction in life. Wow. Well, the Bible is true. And I was going to say, kids, you know, 25, 30 years ago when I was just getting into youth ministry full time, I was a youth pastor 11 years and then we started doing all these events all over the country. But, uh, Dave, kids had questions that I would call like evidential questions. Um, yeah. Did the miracles really occur? Was there an ark? You know, did Moses part the Red Sea? Today, though, kids are asking, you know, sometimes the evidentiary questions, but really more emotional questions like, if God loves me, why do I feel so abandoned? Um if God is all-powerful, why doesn't he stop the war in the Ukraine? If you would, for a minute, speak to—do do you agree that the the type of issues with which people struggle have changed a little bit, Dave? You know, I I was just over at our, our good friend Trace Embry's uh, Shepherd's Hill Academy um, this past Friday, and um, and uh, one of my favorite things to do is to, to lead the chapel service for those kids, because those kids are in a 12-month uh, outdoor rehabilitation program. They're, they're some of the, I call them the worst of the worst. You don't, you don't get to Shepherd's Hill unless you've done something pretty bad. They're all teenagers. And, um, I had them write out questions the day before I got there. Like, what would, what would cause you to, what, what's the one thing if you could get an answer for that that would cause you to take God seriously? Mm. And Alex, I was actually blown away. I would say 80 plus percent. If I had evidence that he existed, I would follow him. And so I'm going wow, back there wow. for a three-part series um, in May to, I said, I said, if evidence is what you want, how much time you got? I, I've got more evidence than, than you can handle, so I'm going to go back there. But I was, I was actually really surprised at that because you're right. I've noticed kind of a shift in uh, what used to be evidentialism is more so an emotional plea now. And, and But uh, I've got to say, like... Do you not agree that the stupid phones that we have in our hands has caused a lot of this emotional loneliness? 
you know, back oh, when yeah. I was a kid, you know, I would I would knock on Alex's door and say, hey, can Alex come out and play? There was no phone call notice. There was no text message. There was no email. We just simply walked over to our friend's house. I would have next door neighbors come and my mom would serve them dinner that night. That wasn't on the plan. But they came over and it was like, hey, we're having dinner. Grab a seat. You know, it was a different time. And loneliness wasn't such a factor. It's this social media that's really unsocial media is really what it is because we think we're getting that human contact through our social media platforms. And gosh, now what is there half a dozen that are super popular? There used to be one or two. And now there's many different ways that you can quote unquote, get your social interaction, but you're really not getting your social interaction at all. I mean, heck nowadays, if somebody knocks on your door, you kind of hide behind the curtain and pull the curtain back. Like, who is it? Don't let them in. You know, whereas isn't it wild? Kid, get a knock on the door. It was exciting. You know, uh, social media has made us antisocial or at least it less is. than it, social. And and we've got all of this technology, and yet we seem, you know, even families under the same roof, I mean, they're very isolated from each other. But um, yeah. uh, let's unpack that another day. I want to I throw something out here. Uh, Bert Harper and I released a book, October 12th, called 100 Bible Questions and Answers from the First 10 Years of Exploring the Word. And these are literally 100 questions from radio listeners, and we probably, when Bert and I were working on that book, we probably had six to eight hundred questions uh, from which to choose, but four questions dealt with what I would call moral issues. I want to read the way these questions are phrased. In fact, because these questions were in this book, there were even some uh, Christian retailers that didn't want to take the book. Uh, which is wow. unfortunate. Uh, but one, should a Christian attend a gay wedding? Because we get that question. Uh, does the Bible address transgenderism? People ask that question. Now, listen to the way these other two were phrased. These are the only four really moral questions in the book. Don't gays have the right not to be hated by Christians? Well, we don't hate anybody. But then... Here, and when we come back, Dave Glinder, I want to pick your brain on this. Somebody said, does the Bible still say homosexuality is a sin? Now, as you might imagine, Bert and I answer these in a very gentle, pastoral way. We don't, we're not flamethrowers. We don't clobber anybody. But yeah. yet we are duty-bound to stand by what the Word of God says. So, folks, stay tuned. This is the American Family Radio Network with our very special guest, Dave Glander, Christian apologist, youth culture expert, Reasons for Hope. Alex McFarland here of alexmcfarland.com. Don't go away. We're going to unpack these four very relevant moral questions when we come back. American Family Radio is back after this. So they asked me to enter my email address, and the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. What's up with that? Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away, sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts, One Million Moms, Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters. What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks, the award-winning documentary from the American Family Association, is now available in a special limited edition DVD set. 
This release includes a Sunday school curriculum and two hours of additional footage. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to get your copy today. thegodwhospeaks.org In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. It gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex attracted couple contact us and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit InHisImage.movie. We've always had an interest. God has given us a gift of being able to help a lot of people with their finances and budgets and stuff. AFA supporters Bernie and Alice Larson met Dan Celia at a Faith, Family, and Finance town hall meeting. And he answered some questions, and we were thinking about the charitable gift annuities, and we'd never heard of that before, but we thought, well, we'd always wanted to leave some of our money with for God, but we didn't know where or how. And it, we felt like this was put into our laps as answer to our prayers as to what we could do after we're gone. Bernie and Alice learned a charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation would provide them with a monthly income for life as well as supporting the American Family Association into the future. You can learn more about charitable gift annuities and other financial products at afafoundation.net or call 800-326-4543, extension 345. And uh, you just can't outgive God. Welcome back to AFR. Alex McFarland here. What a great morning to be talking about truth and how we can know it, live it, and for God's glory, pass it along. I'm on with my longtime friend and colleague, Dave Glander of Reasons for Hope. So, Dave, these questions that were in our book, and by the way, our book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, is at the AFA store, along with a lot of other great resources. So people ask this a lot, you know, what does the Bible say about homosexuality, transgenderism? But should a Christian attend a gay wedding? Now, isn't it funny? First of all, let me say that there was, there was a pretty major Christian retailer. I'm not going to trash them on live radio. Um, they've covered a lot of our books and carried our resources. But they said, look, strike these four questions and we'll put your book in the stores. But we just, wow. we don't... and. Look, folks, the Word of God has all the, all the truth we need for every situation of life, and these are, this is where the battle rages for the souls of people, and the church must. Dave, I believe the church, it might not be comfortable, it might be a little out of the comfort zone, but we must tell this world what thus saith the Lord. Yeah. Well, and and I know we're coming back to social media again. We'll come back to that on a different episode and unpack the the enormity of what needs to be said about it. But I think again, social media has 
ruined our ability to communicate about things. And so instead of communicating about them without throwing, you know, name calling and everything else that comes into it, now all of a sudden it's like, hey, you just got to stop talking about that. And I'm like, what happened to the days where you could have a civil conversation with people about worldviews without somebody getting mad or throwing mud? You know, we've, we've lost that ability to do so. Again, I think because social media has got a lot of keyboard warriors who have lost the ability to have a face-to-face civil conversation about issues that really matter, Alex. I mean, these are mm-hmm. things that we should talk about. There's there's no reason why we shouldn't talk about them. And, and, and I want to go to the one that you said about, you know, what was the question about why do Christians hate gays? What, yeah, some, somebody asked the question. L- listen how this was phrased. Said, don't gays have the right not to be hated by Christians? Well, if, uh, if it, any of my Christian <laughs> friends hate somebody who's gay, they're not my Christian friend. Like, that's right. not how that works. We, I personally don't harbor hate for anybody, and, I, and I'll say this loud and clear. I was molested by my uncle for a dozen years when I was a kid. I don't even know how long it lasted. Mm. So I've got a foot in this race, meaning, like, I've earned the right to speak about hate and gay and all that stuff. And listen, I don't hate him. There's not a ounce of my soul that hates any part of him and, and there's not a mm. there's not a single person on this world that i hate you know what i mean exactly like I, I don't i don't hate anybody i i may differ with people and, and that's okay we can have differences and we should be able to communicate but i i would say strongly if any of if, if there's a christian listening right now that harbors hate in your heart for anybody let's just get off the subject of gays if if you hate anybody, I would say go to the, you know, the, the Bible says if you if you have a problem with your brother, leave your gift at the altar, go and be reconciled with him, and then come back and offer your gift. And I'm yeah. like, Alex, I don't want my gift to go unnoticed because I have hate in my heart for somebody. I need to go, if I want God to receive my gift that I'm trying to place at the altar, I need to make sure my heart is right, you know, and, and having hate in your heart is not a right place with God. But uh, how do we deal with, how, how do you and Carl and Reasons for Hope deal with the people that if you disagree with what they're saying, they, they claim you're, you're hating them? Now, now we all know by definition, in mean, 1 John 4.20, Jesus said, if a man says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. So by definition, mm-hmm. we Christians, we don't hate anybody. Uh, obviously, but um, what's so tricky about our culture these days is if you disagree with what somebody says, doesn't matter how delusional it might be, transgenderism, for, for goodness sakes, but if you disagree, they'll say, well, you're a hater. How, how do you guys deal with that, David? I mean, the first thing I would say is, you know, if you're going to call me a hater, you have to def- define what is hate, because what I'm doing is out of love. I love you enough to have this conversation with you. And again, we need to move off of just being gay. That's a conversation with anybody who's not walking in the will of God for their lives. And and so, but I mean, specifically in the in the gay community, listen, I love you enough to tell you the truth. I, I love that um, Penn Gillette, you've seen that video where he's talking about the guy who was proselytizing. And he says, mm-hmm. if you really believe that there's a hell, and if you really believe that people are going to this place, he goes, if I believe that, at some point in time, if I see you standing on a railroad track and a train is coming, I'm going to tackle you. You're like, you know, he. this is an yeah. atheist who says this. And so in the face of, of these controversial subjects, which shouldn't be as controversial as they are, I just tell him, I said, look, I don't hate you at all. I love you enough to have this conversation with you. 
Because again, if I saw you standing on the railroad tracks and a train was coming, I would tackle you off those tracks. And you can tell me, well, the train's not going to hurt me. I believe the train's going to hurt you. So if it is my personal belief that the train's going to hurt you, then I'm going to tackle you off the tracks. And it's the same thing with, with uh, homosexuality. I believe you're walking outside of the perfect will of God. And so I want to have a conversation with you about that. But I want to do it lovingly. And, and, you know, that question about would I attend a gay wedding, I personally would not because what I feel like that would do is uh, lend an air of support for it. What I would do is invite them over to my house for dinner. I would go to their house for dinner. I'll go on vacation with them and we'll have conversations about worldview and life and family and everything else. And I will I will love them until the day where I'm dead or they're dead and, and beyond. But I wouldn't go to a gay couple's marriage wedding ceremony because I don't want to want it to look like I'm lending support to that because I, I can't. That violates my worldview. And, and, and you yeah, know, yeah. Alex, it's sad sometimes that Christians are the only ones who can't have a worldview. You, know, you can't have a worldview yeah, about yeah. anything Isn't that wild? If you're a Christian, you can't. Yeah. And, and, and when, in reality, and folks, by the way, your worldview, your view of life, you know, origin, purpose, destiny, where did we come from, why are we here, where are we headed, plus a hundred other nuances of life. Uh, yeah. You just plugged my book. That's how, why, where. It's the, it's the three fundamental yeah. questions that everybody has to ask. Um, any worldview should have should really fulfill four C's. And uh, this is something I wrote, and uh, the last letter in this acronym is not ideal, but listen, it should be comprehensive, cohesive, corroborated, and completing. And God gave this to me like 25 years ago. But look, comprehensive means it answers all the big questions. Corroborated uh, by evidence. Cohesive. It, it hangs together. It makes sense. It's livable. And then completing, it should fulfill you and and be worth living for. Okay. The Christian worldview alone, folks, I would submit to you that, I mean, there's uh, a dozen shades of secularism and naturalism, uh, physicalism. There's all 10,000 types of spiritualism, polytheism, new age, uh, false religions. Uh, there's hedonism, just live for pleasure, you know, burn out yeah. young and just eat, drink, and be merry. So, look, your worldview should be comprehensive. It ought to answer the big questions from history to the future to the problem of pain and suffering to uh, yeah. the physical and emotional realities of life. Comprehensive, cohesive, it ought to hang together and make sense. It should be corroborated by evidence, outside objective evidence. We call this empirical proof. And then it, it should be completing. It should fulfill you. Yeah. It should, and I only the, the message of the Lord Jesus fulfills those four criteria for a worldview. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, I totally agree um, with that. C.S. Lewis said this once, and Dave, I want your response. C.S. Lewis said, um, there are some truths that are very easy to get your mind around, and then others that uh, are, are kind of tough. You know, God loves me. Well, that's like two plus two equals four. Even a child can get it. But Lewis said there are other truths um, like a perfect, all-powerful, all-loving God exists, yet for the moment there is evil and pain and suffering in the world. And Lewis said... That's that's not like two plus two equals four. That's like E equals M C squared. 
Um, 2 plus 2 is 4. E equals mc squared. They're equally true, but not equally understandable. And God loves me. Uh, there's pain and suffering, but Christ is coming back. These things are equally true, but for the human who's wrestling, hurting, it's maybe not equally accessible. But friend, that's why relationships matter. Dave, isn't the harder the truth, the more we need to invest time and build relationship in order to impart um, that biblical truth? I mean, the first thing I got to say to that, Alex, is you got to get out of the way. Like the the best thing that I brought to God when I when I came to Christ was nothing. I brought an empty plate. Like I was so so down in the hole that I didn't come to God and say, "Hey, God, I'll serve you if I'll worship you if I'll walk your path if." There was no ifs involved when when I met Christ. I was literally like, "I am so dog tired." that I can't make it another step. You just go ahead and take over. And my, my literal altar call was if you're God, do something about it. That was the words that I used and, and boy, did he do something with it. And so I didn't come to God <clears throat> with a, an expectation that I was going to be able to maintain holding on to a percentage of Godhood because that's who I was before I met God. I was the God of my own world. You know, I was a God of my finances, of my career, of my relationships. I was the one making all the decisions, calling all the shots. And so when you come to Christ, you you know, I, I was pro-gay marriage. I was pro-abortion. I was pro-whatever before I met really? Christ. And, oh, I am hardcore, man. I was a hardcore liberal. And, and just, you know, I was, a, I was a diehard militant atheist. And, and, and when you have a, a naturalistic worldview and all there is is naturalism and there is no supernatural, then who cares if somebody's gay or who cares if you kill a baby in the womb? I, who cares? You know, like yeah. to each his own, as long as you're not disrupting my little bubble that I'm living in, then, you know, carpe diem, do what you want to do, you know? And um, when I came to Christ, I had to have a giant change of mind where I understood that, um, I think, let me give a quick example. And, and I use this all, I use this at, at your conference, the Truth for a New Generation conference this past summer, um, where I have a talk called Why God? Because I'm like, we have to ask God why he says things are wrong, not that he says they're wrong. Because if you just go into the community and you're like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, nobody's going to listen to you. But if you tell them why, then it helps unpack it. And so I start with an example of Monopoly, and I say, Alex, you're going to come over. I'm my house. I'm going to have a game of Monopoly sitting there. I'm going to say, hey, I'm going into the kitchen. I'm going to fix this a sandwich and a drink. I'll be right back. Set up the board however you want it. And so you're like, great, I'm going to set up the board. You're going to give yourself all the money. You're going to give me a hundred bucks. You're going to take all the properties. You're going to give me only Connecticut because that's where I live. You're going to put hotels on everything. You're going to give me an apartment. on. You know, you're going to set up the board where you, you have the best chance of winning because I said, set it up however you want. I come back from the kitchen. I look at the board. I set the sandwich down. I knock the board clean. And I said, I don't like that. Hold on a second. I've got to get a drink. I forgot the drink. Go ahead and set up the board however you want it. So you go ahead and set up the board exactly the way you did the first time because that gives you the best chance of winning, right? I come back with a drink. I knock the board clean again. And you're like, what are you doing? And I said, I don't like the way you set that up. And he said, well, hmm. dude, have you read the instructions? And I'm like, what do you mean instructions? And you break out Parker Brothers instruction book and you say, here's the instructions to the game. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize there were instructions. You mean there's a means to an end? There's a way that this thing actually goes? And so yeah. I realized my name's not Parker Brother. Your name's not Parker Brother. Parker Brother gets to make the rules of the game because they're the ones who invented the game. They're the ones who created it. And so if you create your own board game, which I would suggest you do, I did that when I was a kid, it was a blast. 
And on my own board game, I got to make my own rules because I was the creator of the board game. And so I created the rules. And anybody who played my game had to play by my rules because I was the inventor of the game. Well, guess what? I haven't created a world anytime soon. Have you, Alex? No, I'm not. Last time I checked. How about a universe? I can't do that. (laughs) How about a universe? All right. right. So so since we're not the creator of the, the world or the universe, God is. And since he's the creator of it, he has a rule book, and, it, and it's called the Bible. And I hate calling it a rule book because that sounds like it's you know some sort of well, a, it's so much a, more a than terrible that. way. Yeah, but so it's it's but it's a, it's a, it's a, the instructions for life, and it's the instructions for life on how to have a good life. You know, when I was in the world, I would look at all the musicians who had everything I wanted, and I was like, just give that to me, and I'll show you that would work. But all these guys were killing themselves or overdosing or in and out of rehabs. And I couldn't figure out why they had everything I had, but they were so empty. And it wasn't until I got filled with the Holy Spirit that I realized the only thing that can fill that void in us is the filling of the Holy Spirit, not drugs, not popularity, not, not any of that stuff. It's only the Holy Spirit. And so when we come to Christ and we realize, so now we address these issues like homosexuality. And I say, look, I'm not the one telling you it's wrong. It, the, the reason why I'm telling you it's wrong is because the instructions book that tells us the instructions to live a life of, of, of joy and of peace. These are the things that Christ offers. In order to have that joy and that peace, the best bet is for you to follow the rules that are within this book. And when you do, it, it is a satisfying life because now you're, you're in line with the Creator. Wow. Powerful truth. And folks, we want you to be in line with the Lord. He loves you. We often say this, Jesus is as close by as a prayer. He really is. Folks, I'm going to be on in the next hour too, 10 to 11 Eastern Time. Um, this is the American Family Radio Network. Dave, I'll give your website one more time. R-F-O-R-H.com stands for Reasons for Hope. R-F-O-R-H.com. Dave, it's always a blessing to, to visit with you. Thank you for being with us. Amen. But more importantly, thanks for what you do for God and country, standing for the truth. This is Alex McFarland. My website is alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. More to come in the next hour. Stay tuned to the American Family Radio Network. God bless America. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.